This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by TD Ameritrade. Whether you want to place a trade on Twitter or get market news from your smart speaker, TD Ameritrade has everything you need to invest on your favorite platforms and devices. See what's new at tdameritrade.com slash innovation. It's Tuesday, September 18th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio, Ron Gross and Emily Flippin. Thanks for being here. How are you, sir? I I've only had one cup of coffee. Uh oh, so, it's big though. I see it right here. Yeah. Well, let's just get through. <laughs> we'll this. get through this. Let's get through this so I can get some more coffee. Um, we're gonna dig into some earnings from General Mills and AutoZone, and of course, we're gonna talk about the Emmy Awards. You have to. I mean, it's the law. We. It's not the law, but <laughs> on this show, we talk about stuff like that. Um, let's start with FedEx, though. Uh, first quarter profits came in lower than expected. What is the headline for you, Ron? Because because I've seen a couple of different headlines, and one of them is their margins are getting hit a little bit just because they're coming out and they're paying their employees more. Yeah, the headline for me is that this is a good report and ignore the rest of the noise. The fact that the stock is down four percent. Yeah, it's not a thing. No, it is a thing, of course. But here's the stock is down mostly, I think, because tariffs are actually taking a bit of of a whack at them. the tariffs implemented so far have hit about 10% of their business in China, where they get about 2% of their overall revenue. So it's a real thing. But I kind of view it the way I view currency fluctuations, where I ignore it because there's nothing I can do about it. I don't know how long it's going to last. I don't know when it's going to reverse. I don't know what the Trump administration is going to do with respect to them. So I just want to look at the business and say, is the, are they selling stuff? Are they doing the services that they say they're going to do for, for a good price? And, and now, are they paying their people well, which they are? So it's a strong company that's executing on everything they're supposed to be doing. Revenue up 11%. You know. Earnings are up 38%, which is actually below estimates. But come on, that's a, that's a strong business. Stock's only trading 14 times earnings. They're doing quite well. It's interesting when you think about the how much play the employee raises is getting, because it seems to me like one, that's just a smart move in general. Um, two, it also seems like a smart move at this point in time, and by that I'm referring to the calendar. Uh, that we're in right now, because we've seen stories come out around seasonal hiring. Um, I haven't seen any numbers coming out of FedEx or UPS yet, but I'm, I'm sure they're coming at some point. But like we've seen retailers like like Target, um, uh, Macy's, etc. Did Fred Smith talk about seasonal hiring on this one? Uh, yeah, they're going to they're going to boost seasonal hiring by 10 percent to 55,000. They're adding year-round Saturday delivery. They're bringing back Sunday holiday deliveries um, to put a little bit more pressure on Amazon um, there, uh, as the, the kind of Amazon is ramping up the pressure on shippers. So they're kind of you know, getting in in the zone with them on that. Um, so again, they're anticipating, I think, a strong holiday season, putting the people in place to get that done. All right, let's move on to General Mills and shares of General Mills down more than seven percent this morning after first quarter sales came in lower than expected. Emily, General Mills operates in a lot of markets, but the biggest market is North America. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems weird to say this, but the bright spot in North America for General Mills was actually cereal. 
Yeah, it's, it's actually really interesting to see because you'll notice that one of the highlights from their earnings, which was a pretty mixed bag, but one of them was sales growth of almost 9%. But when you look at North American sales growth, it was negative 2%. So virtually all of their growth now is coming um, outside of North America. And within the North American market, uh, it's interesting to see the plays that's been going on in terms of their existing brands and their potential expansion into new brands because North America is their target market market. Uh, so they need to perform well in the core areas like cereal in order to continue to, I guess, be a good investment for people who are invested. Uh, so if you are invested, I hope you also had a big cup of coffee today because it was probably a hard morning to swallow. Uh, it's also interesting to see how their acquisition strategy is playing out. So they bought the healthcare pet food brand, which was an interesting play, Blue Buffalo. And that's one that's been proven to be uh, not too well received by the market, but potentially expanding outside of slowing growth areas. There's a general consensus that they might have overpaid for this for this pet food brand. But in my opinion, I think future General Mills growth is going to be driven by strategic acquisitions. Yeah, we had some analysts uh, on the team who were big fans of Blue Buffalo, and they were they were kind of bummed when uh, they got bought out. Yeah, I mean, they really are going after this pet food business as, as their growth driver, and obviously they're doing it through acquisitions, as Emily said. Which I haven't looked at the balance sheet recently, but I think it's it's whacking around the balance sheet a bit. Interest expense is higher, if I'm not mistaken, and and they've got to be careful um, to you know make sure that balance sheet is is stable, especially if there's weakness in their North America business. So, Emily, in terms of the international growth, like how? How heavily can they lean on that? Because, as you said, you look at what they did in North America. Cereal was was the bright. Snacks were down in North America. Mm -hmm. Yogurt was down in North America. Is is international still small enough that any meaningful growth they get internationally is going to be good? But it's not really going to move the needle. Or or is it genuinely getting to be a bigger piece of the pie? I think it's genuinely getting to be a bigger piece of the pie. Uh, while they still are sticking with North America as their target market, and you can see that with a lot of these smaller niche brands they're really pushing here, I think they're realizing that in terms of their life cycle in America, I mean, cereals, yogurts, these sort of products have kind of changed for the American taste. And they're looking at how can they play off of their core competencies and in new markets like Asia and Europe. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see about their ability to kind of expand more into these areas moving forward because to me that's going to be the most key aspect of their ability to continue to grow in the future. They also own Haagen-Dazs and that mm -hmm. seems like, you know, Haagen-Dazs is international production too, which is a really big part of that. And that's rock solid. I mean, it's tasty too. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I meant. Yeah. I wasn't talking so much about the business of Hagen Dazs. That's just a good product. Um, AutoZone's fourth quarter. Eh. I mean, the same store sales look pretty good, but I don't know. Overall sales up 1%, you know, as close to zero as you can get without being zero. Um, so I would say a little bit anemic, but this is not that. You know, big of a growth business, as you said, Samsung says a little bit better at 2.2 percent um, profit beat expectations. So um, nothing wrong with that. Uh, margins came in um, 
pretty good as a result of them selling two business units, um, and they did have some higher merchandise margins. But their supply chain costs offset that a bit. But overall, margins look fine. They bought back a ton of stock this year, um, over $1.5 billion worth of stock at an average price of $664. Stock is currently at $728. So, as of we sit here today, looks like a good capital allocation strategy, good use of capital for them there. Yeah, it's a good thing that they're good at buying back stock because they do that a lot. Yeah, and, and so far it seems to be paying off. Anything stick out to you, Emily? What sticks out to me is that this stock, you know, despite a relatively Strong earnings. I mean, there's nothing glaringly red flags about the company. I mean, it's underperformed the market all year. Uh, so I think it's interesting. They're taking shareholder friendly actions, uh, but I think the stock's only up about, was it 4% so far year to date? Actually, after today's hit, we might be closer to flat or maybe wow. just up 1% or so. Uh, so, putting aside what has happened over the past week in the Carolinas and in Virginia, isn't the environment uh, in North America? Uh, more favorable to companies that are in this business because we just seem to be experiencing more extreme weather whether it's winter weather or you know cars are getting beaten up i guess is my point and it seems like we're in a better environment for businesses like autozone yeah, it's kind of like a steady eddy business. You know, they have pockets of weakness here and there. The Rust Belt had been a little bit of a problem for them, but that seemed to have firmed up over the summer. They're continuing to expand 78 new stores in the quarter alone, um, now at over 5,600. So, you know, it's a solid business for sure. Um, it's just, it's not going to knock the cover off the ball like, like a high tech stock would. Quick shout out to TD Ameritrade. You're always on the cutting edge of technology. You're listening to this podcast, wherever you are. I mean, maybe you're in your car, maybe you're in your home. Maybe. Maybe you're out for a run, walking the dog, something like that. My point is, you're always on the cutting edge of technology. And TD Ameritrade prides itself on being ahead of the curve, too. And their latest innovations put their resources and services on the popular platforms that you carry and use every day. So now all you have to do is enable the TD Ameritrade skill for Amazon Alexa, or you can message them on Facebook. You can do either of those things to stay on top of the markets, and you can learn more about their commitment to innovation at tdameritrade.com slash innovation. The Emmy Awards were last night. Uh, if you're scoring at home, tie score between Netflix and HBO, 23 statues apiece, although I'm sure the Netflix people would want me to point out that just in terms of the primetime Emmys, which were the non-technical, the the more glamorous awards, Netflix took home seven, HBO took home six, and if nothing else, Emily, it really does seem like, particularly for Netflix and Netflix shareholders, yeah, paying for content appears to be paying off. Oh yeah, and it's not just tying for HBO in terms of nominations, but. Uh... Netflix also tied with cable for the the number of wins. So I think there's something to be said for streaming services kind of taking over here in the future. Yeah, it's fascinating. I'm going to sound like an old man because I am. Um, but you know, in the old days, I would know all the nomin all the nominations, and I would you know at least have a kind of familiarity with all the shows. Now there's so many shows and so many ways to get different content. I didn't recognize the names of half of the nominees or the shows that were nominated. So that happened a couple of times. I watched the entire event. So there were definitely shows that came up uh, that I thought to myself, I've never heard of that. And in some cases, people were winning awards. It's like, wow, I've I've never heard of this actor or actress, and I've never heard of this show. But there were others where I, 
either had heard of the show or I, or I knew the, the person winning the award, and I thought, oh, okay. And it, it, it sort of spurred some ideas in terms of, okay, maybe I should try and hunt this show down and, and watch. I thought about that um, when I saw Henry Winkler. I'm a huge Happy Days Fonzie fan from back in the day. So, <laughs> to see Henry Winkler win his first Emmy, I, it, was, it was a nice way to start off the evening, and it made me say, well, maybe I should check out that show. It's very nice. Yeah, so, so uh, for the HBO show Barry, which uh, producer Dan Boyd, big fan of the show Barry, um, starring Bill Hader, and he was one of the creators of it. And I heard an interview with him earlier this year, Henry Winkler, who's now got to be. He's in his 70s. He's, I was going to yeah. say, he's got to be in his. He looks great. He's got to be in his 70s. But I heard an interview with Bill Hader where he was talking about younger people on the set, younger people on the crew, who had no idea. <laughs> that there was a point in time, forty years ago, forty plus years ago, where Henry Winkler was—he was the biggest. He was the biggest star on television, and he was the coolest character on television, without a doubt. Um, this was many, many years. I agree, Amundo. Yes. Wow, you yeah. are dating yourself. Yeah. Uh, this is, of course, many years before Emily Flippin was a gleam in her parents' <laughs> eye. Um, real quick, we'll go around the table. Emily, I'll start with you. A show. To recommend, it can be something from Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, anything. What what do you recommend for the listeners out there who are looking to maybe binge a little something? Well, if anyone's looking to binge a little something after last night, I doubt this will come as a shock. But this is a TV show I actually binged with my mom over Christmas last year. Won five awards. Uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, wonderful show. Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. Yep. Yeah, it re- yeah it got uh, it won all those awards. It, it's sweet. A lot of people thought it was undeserved, but me not knowing the competition, loved it. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, that's definitely on my list. Ron, what about you? Uh, I'm just catching up to Ozark, which we just my wife and I just started binge watching it, and we're we're loving it. So um, Netflix show, um, really digging it. Season two just started. Right? Yeah, early season one still. Let's go to producer Dan Boyd. Dan, you're giving the thumbs up uh, on Ozark, I know, and I know you're a big fan of Barry. Um, any other show you might want to throw out there for the dozens of listeners? Uh, this one might be a little surprising, but it's also on Netflix. It's called Ultimate Beastmaster, <laughs> and it's one of those obstacle course shows. But uh, they group the athletes by country, and it's sort of like the Ninja Warrior Olympics. It's great. It's hilarious. I love it. It's a team wow. sport. No, it's the individual competitors, but they're on like teams uh, divided by what country they're from. Ultimate Beastmaster. Ultimate what a Beast great Master. Name. I have never even heard of that Me show. Either. Uh, I, I'm just going to throw out there uh, for anyone who uh, is a fan of drama, and I think, well, it seems like Ozark, we should probably trade shows, okay. right? um, because I haven't watched Ozark yet. I did, however, watch the first uh, season and a half of Goliath on uh. Amazon Prime with Billy Bob Thornton. I'm, I'm halfway through season two, but that is really great drama. A little dark at times, mm. a little, a couple of curveballs here and there, but wonderfully acted. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if, uh, if he showed up in in future Emmy awards. Nice. All right, Emily Flippin, Ryan Gross. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Thank sir. You. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.